Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. There is just one week until Retro World Expo in Hartford, Connecticut. I am so fired up, and this week I'm going to announce two people that will be there, each with booths in the Retro RGB section where we're all going to be hanging out. First is Ryan from Castlemania Games, who's going to have a few things that are a little harder to get, so if you were looking for some pretty neat, cool stuff, definitely show up and check out his booth. And also... Greg from Laser Bear will be there with a bunch of cool 3D printed stuff and some fun new things to show off. I actually thought I announced Greg on this podcast over a month ago, so my shout out and apologies to the Laser Bear. Uh, all of you come over and, and say hello and hang out with all of us. I can't wait to see all of you next week, and there's going to be so many awesome people there, so please come and hang out. First up, pre-orders are now open for a vinyl version of the Fantasy Star 2 soundtrack, the Genesis Mega Drive game. Price is about $30, and it features the original Japanese artwork, and it's also available from a bunch of different stores around the world, so you could choose whichever region is just closest to you. So all of the links for everything you need is right here in Crystal's post. If you're a fan of the Fantasy Star 2 soundtrack, definitely consider this one. Next, pre-orders are now open for a brand new game for the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive called Life on Mars. This is a Metroidvania-style game, which really isn't something that you could find a lot of, if really any, on the Sega Genesis, so that alone is kind of exciting. But the game is pretty much complete. According to the developer, it just needs the last little bit of polish, and they're taking pre-orders for a cartridge-based version. They're looking to deliver these by the end of the year, and total price, including shipping to the about New York City area, came to $75.00. And I couldn't really find too much more info on it. Um, I, I guess their website has different tabs that you click on, and I kind of missed that part of it. But uh, the creator was nice enough to politely correct me on Twitter. But basically, this just looks awesome. I mean, for me personally, a Metroidvania game on the Genesis is something I'm going to buy no matter what, and then kind of cross my fingers and hope it's good later. I understand most of you are probably going to be a little more cautious about that, but it does seem to be at a place where the game is done. So you're not funding the completion of the game, you're just funding the final polish as well as actually having the cartridges made. The cases themselves are going to come in four different editions to look like US, old school EU, newer model EU cases, and then Japanese cases as well. Um, and also, I'm not sure about the build quality, but recently a lot of 
but manufacturers of these retro games have stepped up and had and made sure that they were beveled edges with everything at the right voltage. There were a few higher profile ones that were still massive fails, but they ended up correcting it and swapping it out for people, which was always really good and commendable. So we could only just cross our fingers and hope that the team behind this puts the same effort in that a lot of other people have been. Don't mean to be a downer or a negative nilly or anything like that, but I think anybody who's bought new retro games before has ended up with garbage at least once. So I think erring on the side of caution and then being very happy if it shows up and, and everything's in working order is probably the safe way to go. Absolutely no disrespect meant to the developers of this. I just, I've seen so many of these come through that I kind of... I kind of have realistic expectations, but the game itself looks really cool. Um, the case and artwork and everything look cool as well. And if you want to try it out yourself, you could download a demo of it or just check out either the launch trailer here or the full 20 minute opening of the game plus gameplay and all that stuff, which is embedded in the post here as well. So I'm personally very excited for this and I will definitely be live streaming it when it comes in later this year. Now it's time to the conclusion of this sponsored video series that aims to bring people a little bit more awareness of how to design your products around having them assembled at a factory, as well as keeping the global part shortage in mind. I went through and talked about panelization and switching things to surface mount instead of through hole, as well as looking up what parts are available and redesigning your board based on what you actually could purchase, not was you know, not what you had in mind when the project started. All of that stuff was very frustrating. However, we do have a good ending to this one. So let's take a look at the final result. So to check out what came from the factory, I'm just gonna open up the box right here in front of everybody. And they have the typical bubble wrapped different PCBs. Now you'll see that they came with a few that were unpopulated. And that's because with these runs of PCBs, you usually have to make a minimum of five. So that's what they did here. They sent the extra PCBs in case I wanted to hand make my others. However, here is the goal of this and what we were trying to do. Here is the panelized versions of these LED lag testing boards. So you can see that all of the components were correctly added. Everything seems to be lined up. And the only mistake is something that I guess would be a little bit on our end and that you can't really read the writing to, that shows where the power, ground, and signal pins are supposed to go. But that's no big deal. We could always reference those and change that in the future design to allow more room on the board. But now for the real test. Let's get these things apart and wired into a controller to see if they work. I'm just going to very carefully use a tool to take off the top extra PCB layer and then just separate each one of these by hand. I'm going to be very, very careful because I don't want to break anything, but this is really easy. It's probably just looking a little bit harder because I'm trying to be gentle because everybody's watching on camera. But overall, this is a super easy process and what you would do with any panelized PCB order that you would get. Okay, so now we have this wired into a GameCube controller. I'll show exactly this process in a different video, but you see that it's working just kind of backwards. The LED is always on and pressing the button turns it off. So this should actually still be completely and totally fine for lag testing, but we're going to have to go back and try and figure out what went wrong with that one. The other thing is it's not as bright as the through hole ones, so we should just be able to spec out a brighter LED for next time. But overall, I would call this a huge success and I'm still gonna be able to use every one of the ones that I ordered here. 
So that pretty much sums up this PCB assembly series of videos, and I really hope people have been enjoying them, because I wanted these to be more than just droning ads. I want all of these to be things that help people who want to design their PCBs, or if you never have a desire to do so, maybe it's still interesting to see the process that goes in it in short little bits every week. And while these are sponsored sections, these are all my idea and your ideas as well. I got the idea from some of these from just reading the comments and answering questions that you all might have. So please let me know your thoughts about this. If you want me to do another one on something different, or if you have any other ideas, let me know. I'd love to continue doing these in a way that actually help people and aren't just basic ads. Also, a massive thank you and shout out to Tian Fong for helping me out with this one. Could not have done this without him, so thank you, T. Much appreciated. So one thing that I hear all the time from people is that they'd like to get into CRTs for gaming or old TV shows or watching their old family home videos on or something, but they don't think they have room for it. And my answer to them is always to check out the RetroCart page on the website. And I wanted to make a video that basically just highlights all that stuff. So you don't think you have room for a CRT and you don't have like a folding table in your basement you can throw one on for whenever you feel like it. Grab a tiny little uh, AV cart on wheels, jam all of your stuff on there and just stick it in your closet when you're done or wherever else. They're not even really that heavy, so you could pick them up and carry them around if you needed to. Or if you like a setup like that where maybe you already have a beautiful surround sound setup or you have a gaming room but you don't have that much space to dedicate you know, a whole desk and a wall to it, get a wire rack and build it on that and just make sure to get some good casters and you can wheel that all around your house. And the video basically just goes over that. And I wanted to make it fun for both beginners and experts. So I have a lot of beginner tips in there, but I also show expert related stuff like how those AV carts that I linked to fit a BVM, a 20 inch BVM perfectly. It's like it was designed for them. They're a little high depending on your chair, but not like hurt your neck, look up like a TV over your fireplace high. Just, you know, they're probably a little bit higher than you would be used to normally, but I think it's totally fine. You can always sit on a pillow or something if you need to, but I love those and I especially love it for things like wheeling it around and switching between monitors. And I also threw a whole bunch of shots of cool BVMs in there just to keep the experts happy, but... The video was supposed to be a lighthearted, fun way to show that stuff off and to give people different ideas of how they could integrate a CRT in their setup, even if they don't think they have enough room or to do some of the expert stuff. But it also turned out to kind of be a like a personal love letter to all of my different setups because I had footage from when I first started Retro RGB to every apartment I've lived in up until now in there. Uh, and also it coincidentally happened that every CRT that's in that video isn't mine. There are two that I'm holding on to for friends until they come pick them up because I was able to get them locally. And all of the consumer grade ones that are there are ones that I've been uh, planning to trade soon. So it also turned out to be like a final send off to all of those CRTs. So hopefully you all had as much fun watching it as I had fun making it took a lot longer than I expected. It took at least twice as long, and I've been getting more realistic about how long it takes to shoot this type of video, but that was like a full normal office work week of, of hours to get that done, but hopefully people enjoyed it and at least got the concept, because I tried to make it so that even if you walk away from it going, I don't like any of that, 
maybe it'll spark an idea in your head. Hopefully it's, I don't like any of that, but that reminds me, I could do this, I could do that, I could put this here. So I just kind of wanted this one to be fun. So please share uh, share this wherever you can. I really want more people to see it because I just think more people are starting to discover what's missing from newer TVs for some content. You get yourself a beautiful OLED and 99% of situations are totally covered, but there are still things that really benefit from a CRT because that's how a lot of these older content in games and stuff were designed to be played. That's what everybody had in mind and what were they were looking at when they were editing it. So I think it's something that a lot of people might be interested in, even if they don't think they are right away. So please share this one for me. There's a new firmware update for the Memcard Pro that adds an FTP server to it. Now, for anybody unaware, the Memcard Pro is a very high-end memory card for PlayStation 1 or for PlayStation 1 games on the PlayStation 2 that is all stored on a micro SD card. And if you're using an ODE, an optical drive emulator like the X-Station, you could have one virtual memory card for each game. Or if you just want to use it regularly, you could have one virtual memory card that looks to your PlayStation as if it was just a regular high-end memory card with a lot of storage in there. But it also has Wi-Fi capabilities built in. So now if you want to back up or trade or swap around your save files, you just have to have your PlayStation powered on and you could FTP right into this. And I think that is a giant time saving, <clears throat> excuse me, especially for me because I know a lot of people out there who are content creators always want to swap around save files so they can get to the, the same spot to check their footage or to check their games. And it's the same exact workflow a speedrunner would have. So you want to make sure that you always pick up where you left off to practice your hard spots and stuff like that. So constantly being able to access that memory card, back up that save, swap it out with another one, etc. I think that's a pretty big bonus. Not sure if this is one for everybody, but any of my fellow IT nerds out there will definitely be using this anyway. So thank you to the team for the update and uh, always, always cool to see new features integrated in something like this. Tito from Acho Nacho Productions recently posted a video about completing the triple bypass on the Pioneer Laser Active Sega module based on another board from Zaxor. So the basic overview is this. Pioneer created a laser disc player back in the 90s called the Laser Active, or maybe it was the late 80s, close enough. And it was a laser disc player, but if you inserted different modules, you could also turn it into a game console. So they had one very rare one for PC Engine Turbo Graphics, but they also had a Sega module that when you plugged it in, allowed you to play Genesis cartridges, as well as turned the Laser Active into a Sega CD. And the video output was limited to composite video, and the audio was a mediocre circuit. So Zaxor's first board that Tito did the video on a while back bypassed the RGB directly from the Sega pack to a no-cut DIN. So that's two parts of the triple bypass, the DIN and the RGB signal as well. And that was a large improvement to the video signal for the Genesis side of things. Now, laser discs are encoded in composite, so you're not gonna be able to pull RGB without a converter, and these days, using a modern comb filter is probably gonna be better anyway, so that was designed for the gaming console side of things. And this video completed the triple bypass with the audio circuit using Zaxor's audio board called the Pack Attack. So this one, um, 
had completely changed the audio output of the Genesis module. Zaxor did MD4A analysis of a before and after, and it really seems like the audio was greatly improved over the original and much closer to what you would expect on a better model audio version of the Sega Genesis. So this is absolutely the V example of what we love to see from open source products. When we came up with the idea of the triple bypass and made it happen, we also chose an open source license that allows people to do stuff like this. And a few people kind of put their spin on it, but stuff like this is what gets me excited. A completely different revision designed specifically for a unique product that solves a whole bunch of problems. So thanks to Zaxor for doing this. Of course, thanks to Tito for always showcasing this stuff. And if you're one of the lucky few to have a laser active unit you might want to consider doing this mod because you do get a performance upgrade but it's also no cut and totally reversible if you needed to so it's it checks all the boxes for me if i personally had something that rare and weird i would do it not if it was a cut mod and not if it was something that that you could never put back the way it was but something like this in my personal opinion you don't have to agree but i love this now you get a unique and awesome rare piece of video game and i guess laser disc history but you also get to have good performance out of it as well so very cool i love seeing stuff like this thanks to everybody involved this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now it's time for this week's Mr. News, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As usual, I'm going to skim through these, and if you hear anything that piques your interest, please check Lou's post and, of course, his video on this. First up, a new core for Jalico's Chameleon Arcade game is being worked on by Pierco. Uh, the PlayStation core has a whole bunch of bug fixes and different updates, and also Robert was kind of asking his Patreons what they wanted him to do next continue doing bug fixes on the PlayStation core, work on a new core. My personal opinion is whatever the heck you feel like, Robert, we're here to support you with, for whatever you do. So do whatever you'd like to next. Um, there's a few more updates on the Saturn core as well. Um, Sergey, the developer, was busy with development on both the Saturn and the 32X core, but this one has a bunch of SCU and VDP fixes. So while it's still in early alpha stage, it's coming along nice and it's still pretty exciting to see. Also, the Missile Command core seems to have some progress and it's coming along. There's still some graphical glitches, but they were fixed and now you could get into a game to play it, but there's some crosshair issues. So worth looking at if you felt like contributing to the project or checking out, but still not fully playable. 
Next, production is underway for Mr. Add-on's aluminum cases. So Pork said he's going to have plenty of cases in stock coming up soon. I like those. Um, there's a lot of really good cases out there, but you have to give props for longevity. Pork's been doing this since the very beginning. His, his customer service is solid. The cases are great. It's just my personal opinion to pick whichever one fits your needs best. And Pork's cases probably are, are at least up in the top three of the best ones out there. So definitely worth taking a look at. Um, there's been a bunch of updates to the PCXT core by Spark 2K06. Um, there's a new core for the Casio PV2000 computer developed by Flandango, which is an obscure Japanese computer released by Casio with similar specs to the MSX. So that's always cool. There has been a bunch of updates to the Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Advance two-player core from Robert, the same person who's developing the PlayStation core. And one of the neat things is the ability to load two different games at the same time for the two-player version, which is just fun and silly and neat. And I also heard a bunch of speedrunners saying that they thought that would be a really cool thing because they could set it up to be in the same spot. So they practice one and if they mess up, they just grab their controller and a second controller and immediately jump back to the same spot. And I didn't think of that. I thought that was really cool when I, when I heard people talking about doing it that way, but definitely check out the documentation for lots of other reasons why you might want to do something like that. Another core for the arcade game Prehistoric Isle is currently in development. Darren O is working on it, and uh, it's the same developer that's worked on Zero Wing and a bunch of other arcade games, so there should probably be some good progress on that. And there's also updates for a bunch of other different cores uh, and for Super Game Boy stuff as well. So if you're interested in any of this, please go subscribe to Lou, check out his videos, and you get a lot more information about all of these right there in his video and in his post as well. Dustin Dabrowski, aka Dasutin, has just released version 1.0 of the 240p test suite for the Sega 32X. And this is a port of the Genesis version, but running completely on 32X hardware. So the video and audio are generated by the 32X, not the Genesis, making this completely standalone tests from the Genesis version, which is so awesome for so many reasons. Anybody looking to even just do things like set phase on the OSSC now has an easy way to do that for the 32X, but you could also test different hardware. You could be able to use this to make the already really awesome Mr. Core even a little bit more accurate because you could compare directly to the original on this stuff. And it's just a very impressive feat. And it's also impressive because if I'm remembering correctly, when I first started talking about needing a 32X core, Electron Ash jumped in and certainly helped and got me um, uh, the original checkerboard test. But Dustin also stepped up and offered to port the whole thing. And I don't think, if I remember correctly, he's never done anything like this before. So he basically taught himself how to write a 32X game in order to port all of these things over, which is nuts and freaking awesome. Unfortunately for Dustin, because of that, I've dragged him <laughs> into a whole bunch of other projects that we've been working on. I always warn everybody, a lot of these developers are nice enough to say, oh yeah, well, if you ever need anything, reach out. Be careful of those, uh, be careful of those offers, because I usually take them up on it. But yeah, Dustin's been awesome to work with, and it's so cool to see this go from basically nothing to 
the full 240p test suite. So of course, thanks to everybody involved as well. While Dustin did the main porting, there was also help for, from Artemio, of course, as well as Chili Willy, Vic, um, and a whole bunch of other people. So thanks to everybody who helped for this, and especially thanks to Dustin for making it happen, because I think anybody with a 32X and a ROM cart will eventually need to use this, whether they need to or not, or whether they, they think they need to now or not. Eventually it's gonna come up and it's going to be a help. So so thanks very much to everybody. This Friday, Todd from RetroFrog is launching a Kickstarter campaign for the Rotate, a Nintendo Switch stand that allows you to rotate it to different orientations as well as swivel. And I think that this thing is absolutely awesome. Now, I'm obviously friends with Todd, but I'm also a loudmouth. So if I thought differently, I would have no problem saying that as well. Uh, but I know that the Switch has a stand already built into it, but that has been really uncomfortable for me to game on. So while I'm not really a handheld gamer, I could totally see myself plopping the Switch down on a table, grabbing the controller, and just having, you know, playing a game outside or something when it's a nice day out. But I just don't like looking down on a table, kind of cramping myself to try to look at it. So having a stand that allows you to both raise it up and rotate it for those very cool Tate shooters uh, I think this one's going to be a, a success. I hope it's going to be a success. So a lot more details are going to come out when the Kickstarter campaign launches. I'm going to do a live stream with it. Um, I am not being sponsored by Todd. I'm not being paid to do this. I just think it's a really freaking awesome idea, and I want to help get the word out. So this Friday, look for probably I'll try to do a live stream then or maybe Saturday on it just to show it off. But uh, I, I'm really pumped, and I hope this works out. I do have one complaint, which has nothing to do with the rotate. It's very annoying that there is no way to use the switch and then use the video output via the USB-C jack to stream at the same time. I, I think that's a pretty big flaw from Nintendo because there are a lot of people that would have loved to have, even if the, the only option was to keep it in the 720p resolution that the inner screen had, I think a lot of people would have loved that ability, and I especially would have loved it with this. Being able to just plug a USB-C pigtail dock with an HDMI and a power plugged into it, I would have loved to have been able to sit, stream some Switch games, and then just be right next to my computer so I don't have to worry about setting up a streaming setup. So I'd like to ask all of you, while I know that there is a, at least one video hack available that's not very easy that allows you to get HDMI out in that exact scenario, what about soft mods? What about people with jailbroken switches? Is that something that's even possible, or is that just way out of the scope of something you could do software only? But Anybody who has any suggestions, please let me know, because I, th I think that would be a very cool feature for all Nintendo Switch owners who stream, not just people who are buying the Rotate stand. So more info as soon as the Kickstarter campaign launches. I'll probably just update this post as soon as it does. But uh, I'm excited for this one, and I really hope to spread the word for it. I recently posted a live stream where I went over a Sony BVM D24 widescreen monitor. And I did it because it's a friend, but I was able to have it here. So I figured if I have such an amazing monitor here, why not at least do a fun live stream going through it? I meant for it to be quick, but we ended up nerding out and it was like two hours long. But if you are curious about what this monitor would be like and the different features of it, it's something that you might want to check out. If not, here's the basis of it. 
it is a widescreen BVM that accepts 240p, 480i, 480p, 720p, and 1080i, all with zero lag and no post-processing. So whatever signal you send it, it displays on the monitor. It's got RGB and component inputs, uh, and this one also has SDI and I think composite and S-Video as well. And there's just a whole bunch of options and a whole bunch of really great uses for it. Now, not everybody needs a BVM. I say that a million times in the live stream. Uh, I've talked about it a, a lot here. I'm not ever trying to imply that you need a BVM to be a, a cool retro gamer, but it's just like everything else, right? But, you know, if you need a car, you just go get the cheapest car and get yourself to work. But if you need a classic car, then you either have to find one and rebuild it yourself or buy one that's already been rebuilt. And they're often way more expensive than brand new cars and with all the weird stuff that goes along with it. And that's kind of what I put these BVMs into, the same category. I love them. They're absolutely amazing. I think they're so cool, but they're not for everybody. They cost a lot. Um, you need to make, eventually they're all going to need recaps and calibrations and you could accomplish the same goals with a lot of other cheaper equipment. So I always try to, to give the balance, right? Because there's always the people out there that are like, Bob's an elitist gatekeeper that says you could only use BVMs and frame meisters, which is funny because I've never really loved the frame meister. Uh, and it's, it's not like that at all. Uh, I try to highlight all of the solutions for everybody, which is why I showed mostly consumer TVs on the retro cart video, just because I really wanted to accentuate how any CRT could solve your problems if you're looking to go down that road. But if you want to see an amazing badass one, check out this live stream. Well, that's it for this time. Anyway, as always, thank you to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to anybody who supports in any way possible, because it is you who is keeping all of this stuff going. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.